So welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us on Under the Wire once again. You've always been one of my favorite people to speak with on the show. I'm really grateful for you for coming. Um, so what is happening now? I understand there are some new developments with IMOP and a coalition that's been formed. Um, I spoke with Rod Culleton and got a brief overview, but perhaps you could go into that in a bit more depth, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Um, it's a, a coalition. It's called Commonwealth of Australia uh, Democratic Cooperative. So it's not really so much as a coalition as a cooperative. We, we're minor parties. We're going to work together. We're going to cooperate so that we can have the best possible outcome for the things that we hold dear and for the, our members. And I know a lot of people have been um, very happy that we are, are starting to join together. And we've been listening to the people because people have been telling us, how come you guys don't, you know, work together? Because there's so many similarities. Of course, we all have our um, our very intimate parts, our the things that are very dear to us and are dear to our members, and, and we continue to fight for them. And this is not overriding the party. It's not merging into one conglomerate. It's just that we will still be parties, but we're going to work out the best tactic for where are the preferencing, where's the best seats to sit, um, Rod's a great guy, um, Glenn O'Rourke from the Australian Federation Party, he's a good man and there are other parties that are definitely talking about coming on board. So we feel that it's a, a good vehicle to attack the current situation that we have which is anti-freedom, anti-democratic and in no way represents the people. It may, it's just basically got a grip on power now and really ignores any minor views, they just have an agenda, they will push it, they will, they're, they're, they're victims of lobbyists and in this context pharmaceutical lobbyists because that's what we're talking about and today that's the biggest story there is, you know, it, it, it's, it's COVID and there's only one solution and that is a pharmaceutical solution and we, none of, our, none of the minor parties, there's pretty much no one agrees with this, it's just the big guys, the, the Liberal, Labor, the Greens and National, of course, they're just, they're cemented there, they're in lockstep and they, they want to implement pharmaceutical policy into our national agenda. That's, that's a very good point uh, about that lockstep. I mean, I, I love, so many people use that word and having read the lockstep document that came out about 10 years ago, you can see that all of this was in the works for a very long time. Yes, uh, and yes, I will yes. link to that lockstep document in this interview. I, I want to pull something out of left field because it's something that you talked about that tweaked me and reminded me that, that one of the problems that we're hearing and, I don't understand a lot about it myself, but the preference, the preferential voting system is okay. one of the reasons why we have this issue. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, it, it was initially set up so that if a person voted and their first vote didn't get in, then instead of the vote being totally lost, then they could have a second preference then a third preference. And so their preference kept moving down until it finally hit on someone. Um, and so it was put together so that each voter would, their vote is not lost. Of course, um, you've seen people get elected uh, in the last, in the Senate with less than 200 votes because they got everybody's preferences and at the end of the day they exhausted down to them. So the major parties have tried many little manoeuvres to stop this. They would like to, 
like to get this eliminated and they've brought it down. I think now it gets down only it carries for six people uh, or six positions in the Senate. Um, but we can make it work for us. So for the other parties that are in CADCO and other parties that are, you know, in harmony with the issues of freedom, we will preference them so that if we do not get in, then at least our vote will carry on to someone with similar views. Alternatively, there'll be other parties, they may not get in and their preference will carry down to IMOP. And we may be able to get a place at the, uh, a seat at the table through other parties' preferences because those people's vote did not get exhausted. Uh, we will preference the major parties last, We particularly the sitting members. They don't deserve it. They have been unfaithful to the mm. people that elected them. They have, see, a democracy shouldn't be um, about what you do for the majority. It's what how you care for your minority. And a true democratic party always looks after the minority position. And we've seen that in many time, many instances through history. You know, we were undemocratic. We, we didn't treat the Aborigines very well, but eventually we... We discovered our democracy. We had a vote on it, and then we now we've we really we're very inclusive to the indigenous point of view. We've we've done that with um, gay rights and and many other minor positions. But on this one, we completely ignore it. Pharmaceutical um, uh, rollout is paramount, and the minority position, even though it's a a significant minority position, yeah. is just completely ignored but not even ignored, Meryl, um, vilified and persecuted for having that position. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to ask you a crazy question. <laughs> is, do you think there is any chance that a, um, a popular vote could ever be introduced in Australia, maybe not federally, but um, in other elections, that someone can actually win by getting the most votes, even if that vote count is less than 50%. Would that ever work in Australia? Well, it, it, it could work. And we've seen in the past, uh, Pauline Hanson in incidents has got the, got the popular vote, but she mm. never got, got a seat because uh, of the other parties ganged up and preferenced against her. So, see, it doesn't always work for the best. It can work against um, the, the will of the people. Yep. So it would, it would be good. There are sort of, you know, when you look at it, there can be benefits both sides. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I hard, uh, politics, things move very slowly. It would need, a, it needs a bit of a brush through our current political system. And uh, just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dead wood in there. There's a lot of rubbish in there that needs to be swept out. Yeah. In fact, I think the whole system needs to be really overhauled. Um, I would hope that the people will rise up at this next federal election and think, you know what, we've just had enough of this. Australia has become the laughing stock of the world. Um, I get calls, and I had one this morning, had a lady uh, call me, and she said to me, we cannot believe what's happening in Australia. Is this true? Is it true that you've got to have a, um, a, a vaccine certificate or some proof to go to church? I said, well, they're talking about it. It could come. They said, we, we can't believe that. Obviously, she's a church-going lady, and, and this just triggered every alarm bell that existed in her. Yet we in Australia seem to be, um, you know, the majority of the people seem to be think, oh, well, you know, it's important so we don't get the virus and, you know, we've got to keep safe and we've got to worry about our elderly. We don't care about the elderly, not a bit. 
this is this this is a Furby. This is this is the propagandist told us. So we all in lockstep. When I say all, I mean the majority. Say yes, we're, it's all about the elderly and the vulnerable. When it's not, no. it's not about that at all. You know, this, this program is not addressing the elderly. They couldn't care less about the elderly. Absolutely. When I read an article um, yesterday about a woman who was not allowed to attend to see her father before he passed away, and yeah. she had to attend his funeral on Zoom. And uh, he spent his last months absolutely alone uh, without the love of his family. I'm thinking, well, that is not for his benefit and it's not for anyone else's no. benefit except for possibly the benefit of the government and the agenda that's being pushed. So yes, yes. so let's get back to CADCO because I think that's really important. I was so okay. happy to see that you were in a co-op, and I apologize for calling it a coalition, but in a co-op with other parties. Um, do you believe that having this co-op, and hopefully other parties will also join with you, will it give you that power to actually get people into Parliament, even in the House of Representatives, hey, but I mean, certainly in the Senate? Would there, would there be a better chance? I think so. I definitely think so, and I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think so. I think that we can actually organise our strategies. Um, for instance, in the lower house, in the House of Representatives, we can look at seats and instead of maybe three or four of us all attacking one seat, we're going to sit back and say, okay, well, who, which party here is going to have the best chance to run in this seat? And we will, and the others might have to fall on their sword and say, okay, we will, we will stand back. We think that party X would would do better here and party Y would do better over in this other seat. And I hope that the cooperative position that we currently have at the moment will continue to maintain right through to the election where we can have a much more defined and uh, surgical approach to each seat and give people opportunity to uh, people that think like us to put their vote there. And if they preference against the minor, the major parties, there is a chance that we can have lower house seats and I believe quite possibly if if people all just wake up to what's happening and, and really be sick of the, the, the current situation in Australia, that there is a chance that we can see a, a broom put through Parliament and completely upset it and have a viable force in Parliament that would do the will of the people. That would listen to the voice of the people. Mm, I, yes. I hope that and that works, yeah. I see another benefit, yes. and you probably have seen this too, but I know, for instance, in the last state election in Queensland, where IMOP stood uh, candidates in just about every electorate, maybe every electorate, um, you're dividing your energies, your money, your uh, everything uh, by so many different uh, areas that it becomes almost untenable to continue and to give the electorates the attention they deserve. But if you are working in a cooperative way with other parties, then the electorates where you actually are standing candidates, you can actually go hammer and tongs at that electorate whilst helping the others in their electorates. So, Absolutely. That's, that's true. And uh, we ran 31 candidates at the, at the federal, uh, sorry, the Queensland state election. And this is the point. Now, we may have a, a group of uh, supporters in, say, the electorate of O'Connell in Brisbane, but it may be Great Australia Party that is running a candidate there. But we can 
direct our our supporters to help in that are in that electorate to help that candidate. So they will increase their volunteer um, volunteer crew <laughs> little team to be able to. Um, so we're all helping each other. And alternatively, we may be running in a seat. I'm up, we're running up there at, um, in Cairns, and we'll have that on our own. And so the other parties can direct their supporters to go and help us. So it's a, a really, we scratch your back, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. But look, it's not even about um, who's going to get the most in. or It's who is the best. What's the best strategy here? What is, yeah. Um, and of course, we do have currently now. We've got Clive Palmer, who's jumped back into the into the ring, and he's he's got a heavy punch with um, a lot of um, a lot of gold behind it. Um, and but and we would like to work with the United Australia Party as well and have them involved in CADCO so that we can really be effective. Yes, um, I think getting Craig Kelly would be fantastic involved in this. Yeah. Is there any... Craig, Craig's a good guy. Mm. Uh, we just um, and we do hope that uh, he he says he's the leader. We do hope that that's the case. And um, I've always found Craig to be a good man. Okay, yep. uh, in the short time that I have known him, I've spoken on platforms with him. I've visited him in his office, and uh, I I I you know I respect him as a man who has singly stood against the force of his whole party that takes courage okay it has to be respected and i i do respect him greatly for that I for agree. taking that position i was lucky enough to meet him last year when we were in canberra with the vaxxed bus we were at the aboriginal tent embassy and okay. i had an appointment with craig kelly and met with him and he's a very busy man at that time yes, and yes. i'm sure he still is now but um he, he really knows what he's talking about, and he has shown that um, that's, that one intention of sticking by what he believes to be true, which is something yeah. that so few in Parliament actually um, have done. Yeah. They've, they've swayed yes. and, and bent to the party. So have Clive Palmer, has United Australia Party made any noises that they would like to join with CADCO? Uh, we have invited... Um we have definitely invited them to come on. We haven't heard back yet. We have also invited Ricardo Bossi, who I saw his interview with you the other night. Um, mm -hmm. We haven't heard back uh, from Ricardo either. And there are others. Um, we've spoken with Monica, who unfortunately, Smith, who is unfortunately in jail, but she was very interested. Right. And uh, so um, that's a that's an unfortunate situation, isn't it? That that I mean. Really, she's in jail for expressing a political opinion against the government of the day. That's pure Nazism, communism rolled into one. It is. I mean, that's a that's a girl I have a great respect. She's a hero, um, but and they have they offered her the chance to be able to, you know, get out of jail, not free, just by signing something, and she rejected it. I have. Utmost admiration for that for someone that'll do that. She she we she has to be in parliament in some position because that's what we want. We want people. Um, and uh, and I've, I've had the privilege of meeting her a number of times, and and uh, yes, I I think she's she's the real deal. And girl. I think the Andrews government needs to be under investigation for the bail conditions that they wanted to set. One of the Calling. conditions was to not criticize. 
the Andrews government's policies? I mean, that's something you wouldn't even see that in China, I don't think, in communist China. No, no. There was a, um, talking to someone from the Czech Republic, uh, they said to me, you know, we, um, they called me from outside of Australia. They said, is it true what's happening? We've come from a communist country. And we always think of Australia as this little free pocket down that floats around the bottom of the world. And if things get too bad in the rest of the world, we can always go to Australia. We can get some place and, and, and Australians are like, she'll be right, mate. Yeah, we're... And, and this is happening to you. It, it's beyond comprehension. I said, it, whatever you hear, it's, it's correct. It's, it possibly is worse. And there seems to be no relenting. I did think that Gladys Berejiklian was a little better than the other state premiers. Um, But she has been a great disappointment to me personally. I feel that she has succumbed to to pressure to, first of all, to pursue this absurdity of zero infections of COVID in Australia. That's an absolute absurdity. And then, then of course, now they realise that's unobtainable. Now they set the mark and they say, oh, now we want... um, 70% and 80% vaccination. Really? What set such a ridiculous and absurd goal? And um, and so everything, the whole nation and all the state is just, you know, in just grinding towards this. And so then it's put all this pressure on. We're going to go through the workplace. Okay, your your job's finished. The police force, the nursing homes, teachers, um, private enterprise, just to uh, get people to get this uh, experimental medication so that they will graciously somehow but just stow on us that now you can move, you can go out of your home and onto the streets. And what does that 70 and 80% vaccination rate actually mean? When we look at Israel, mm. they have a green pass in Israel and you needed to be fully vaccinated in order to access just about every part of society. Now people are finding that if they have had their last jab six months ago, their green pass expired. They need to have the third jab. And mm-hmm. it's already starting that they're giving a fourth jab. So do people in Australia oh, realize correct. that this is what's happening? It's not two jabs and you're done. It's two mm-hmm. jabs and you've only begun. Because Australia has bought yep. 10 for every person in, a, in the country. Yes, that's correct, um, Meryl. You get on the merry-go-round, there's no getting up. It'll speed up, it'll speed up, and you're, you're locked on there. And um, it's too fast to get. And at what point do you get off? No, our power is in resistance. Our power is not in conformity to let them reach their, you know, ridiculous little goals. Our, our power is to say, no, I won't. And, yes, it may cost you your job in the short term. I don't think your job losses will be sustained. The, the country still needs teachers, it still needs aged care workers, and they're going to experience a great um, dearth of good workers because these people that are refusing, these are the salt of the earth Australians, these are people who are the thinkers uh, and the doers, these are people that have conviction and courage. We want these people. And, uh, you know, revolutions can usually usually start with less 20% of the people. We need to have a revolution, a, a, a bloodless revolution, but a revolution nonetheless. And for those listening, if you're being under pressure, I tell you, hold the line. 
don't don't succumb soon as you succumb soon as you take it then you lost your power you're, you're in there you're on the their little merry-go-round and they will set the speed they'll set the pace and it'll be second third fourth and you will look back sometime there's no ending to it because there's no um there's no scruples about the people who are behind this and these are the pharmaceutical companies these are the most dishonest companies in the world by virtue of the sheer volume of fines they received they are the most criminal organizations in the world they are unethical they're unscrupulous they're, they're driven by the almighty dollar they do not care about you they don't care about i they don't care about freedom and if we somehow in our mind think that uh, that we start to appeal to some sort of rational common sense and logical argument oh well if we do this no, that's not that is actually not even in the equation we've all thought that that may have been there may have been some integrity there at some point but that's long gone from for me i don't believe their 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 organizations of integrity yes and neither do the courts that find them these um horrific fines because their fines were in proportion to their offense and their offenses were horrific and they've by being fined eye-watering amounts and so they should have been mm. they but, should have been more than fined. they should have been run out of business that's what they should have should have happened well there should have been criminal charges in addition to the fines yes. because the fines are just the cost of doing business and pfizer mm. who makes one of our vaccines that we use in australia and i use the word vaccine it's advisedly um they have the honor of being the most paying the highest fine of any corporation in the world which yes. is $2.3 billion, and uh, the United States government was told that Pfizer was too big to fail, so they couldn't possibly charge the CEO of the company with a crime, even though he was found guilty of a crime. And the entire board should have been sent to jail. The CEO would have yeah. been sent to jail. And if that had happened, they never would have been in this in the first place, but because yes, they get yes. away with it time and time again. And I like the yes. fact that you talk about this merry-go-round because we can already see this happening with Marburg virus, which is the next cab off the rank, and mm. the government will be buying hundreds of millions of doses of this as well and, and forcing it on everyone. Those who comply are the ones who are running this policy for the government you are absolutely right we need to resist yep. we need to absolutely yes. resist so yes yeah so our decision makers in the in government policy um are seriously conflicted uh, have, there's conflicts of interest now uh the informed medical options party we have a team who puts together research documents they do thorough research we have people that, that will remain anonymous, but we have scientists, we have researchers, uh, very, very good people. Um, and they are very meticulous not to put anything out there that can come back on us. And we've put together conflicts of interest register. We show that the decision makers, uh, Jane Holton and, uh, you know, Peter Doherty, all these people, they are seriously conflicted there. And um, so they, in a normal, natural world, they should be not listened to and in fact they should be charged for being in this position and whoever the government people should be stood down mm -hmm. for listening and taking advice from people that have conflicts of interest now currently i've got here i i was just reading this is the weekend australian and you might see if i can bring it over there the it, it says the rsp is silent on salmon scheme 
So the RSPCA is in trouble for uh, a conflict of interest because they're getting, basically they're getting kickbacks from the salmon industry to allow the salmon industry to say that it's RSPCA approved. And of course, the media is screaming about it and other organisations. And one of the, uh, in the manifesto for RSPCA that, that animals should have the fear, freedom of fear and distress, there's all these rules and regulations for animals. I think it's fair that conflicts of interest should be exposed. But here we have conflicts of interest in a medication that we're given to our own people, not the fish. We seem to be have more concern about conflicts of interest for, for a fish than we do for humans, our children, our, our elderly, all the people in our society. If, if you can't see this huge disparity, I don't know what can move you. When I read this, I thought, unbelievable. They're all worried about a conflicts of interest in a fish and couldn't care less about the people. Absolutely. This is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. Now, we've exposed it. You can download these documents on the um, IMOP web website, which is imoparty.com. They are there. You'll just look up the top on press releases. You can click them. There's a whole lot down. These documents are thoroughly researched. We don't put anything out there that uh, we can be attacked on. And I know because they would attack us if they could. If we put out things that were incorrect, they would attack us. Just... Um, they will do stories on us personally. I know I had a, a call from a, a Sydney Morning Herald reporter yesterday. They wanted to know, get some dirt on the sale of my property and what was my wife doing. See, this is how low these 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 people stoop. They have they they look at our. They've got nothing to get us, so they they dig down into people's personal life. So they they've really dug down. Now they want to see if the sale of my property or the impending sale is um i don't know what they could imagine i'm just selling a property but somehow they're investigating it and i know they've been sending me emails from bogus buyers i, I look at them i think this one's just bogus it's uh put out by someone's investigating and um i was looking at my wife i would love to ask you about that um if, Sorry, if you are no no that's okay if you would like to speak about what happened with your wife and the the cost I mean, I always love, like you talk about Monica Smith and how she is paying a cost right now for believing in mm -hmm. something that she's very passionate about. And if you are okay, I would love for you to speak yeah. a little bit about the cost that your family has paid for your strong beliefs in freedom and in, um, in, in actual informed choice when it comes to medical issues. Are you okay to talk about that? Sure, sure. Yeah, yes, I am. Thank you, Meryl. It's, um, it's from when I got into politics and started the Informed Medical Options Party, they, people, they came after us. Now, there's a group called the Friends of Science in Medicine, which is really, I call them, they're a medical terrorist organisation. They're a pharmaceutical mouthpiece. Uh, they are they defend the pharmaceutical who we've already identified as the most dishonest and corrupt organization in the world so what they did they they got some people from in, inside the friends of science of the friends of science in medicine to start a, a a complaint campaign against my wife to the healthcare complaints commission these complaints were absurd 
But nevertheless, they were listened to by the HCCC. The HCCC ran an investigation which I believe was uh, extremely one-sided. It was basically a witch hunt. I've been condemned for saying it's a witch hunt, but I, I do not, not back away from this. And they condemned my wife. They, they came up with things like she was recommending goat's milk to children. They said that goat's milk is potentially fatal to, and, and uh, so I actually asked, well, could we actually have the evidence that shows f uh, how goat's milk is fatal? Because I thought if we're recommending something that's fatal, well, we will stop doing that. They said, well, there is no deaths. Uh, we have no recorded deaths from goat's milk, but it's potentially fatal. And there was all these other little absurdities. I've actually written a book on it called The Assassination of Barbara O'Neill which can be purchased on Amazon. But they came after her and we went through a whole hearing and we had lawyers. And when we went through the hearing, I listened to all the arguments and there was really nothing. It was a lot of, um, you're not supportive of mainstream medicine. Absolutely, of course, we're not. Uh, we're not supportive of the vaccination program. Yep, that, that's fine. We, we, could, we could put up with that. And when the court case was over, I walked out with our lawyer and I said, well, how did that go? And the lawyer said, oh, well, she said, I was surprised. I thought they'd have a far more on your wife than that. But she said, they really had nothing. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. So she'll, there'll be nothing. Oh, she said, no, they're going to put a permanent prohibition order on her, but she won't be going to court. She won't be going to charge because there's nothing to charge her for. And I said, but a permanent prohibition order? They said, oh, yes, uh, but that, that's a good outcome. You're not going to be charged. There's nothing to charge you for. So all the accusations were unchargeable. So then I said, well, well what we'll do, um, we, will, uh, we will fight that. And uh, we got a quote that we would need probably 500000 to be put in a trust account before they would start the action. So my wife, if you can imagine this, who's been... At working as a naturopath, a health guru for 30 odd years, has never had a person complain about her because all the, of all the complaints to the HCCC, they were all from people within the Friends of Science in Medicine. They were all political complaints, not actual people that she'd ever met or ever treated. Yet the HCCC took these as very serious and she was given a permanent prohibition order. So we ran our business around her, so then they came after the business. They, um, they, they, the, we, were, we were an off-for-profit operating for 20 years. They came up with all these absurdities. We, engaged, we spent very eminent lawyers that, that, that worked it all out. They said, everything we've done here, you'll be fine. Uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm concerned because it's a... It's not about right or wrong. This is a uh, this is because of my political opinions. They're coming after me, and even the lawyers weren't thought that was a little bit extreme, maybe a bit conspiratorial. But of course, they found against us. They stripped our not for profit. You know, we had to put our business into liquidation. Um, it's been a very hard road, Merrill, um, but one that I consider um, worth it, and I wouldn't back away from it we, we didn't i was told at the very beginning of this fight by a, a lady in sydney who came up to me she said are you prepared to lose everything your own your reputation your money your business everything because that's what they're going to they will come after you because 
that's all they have and that's what they will do and and she actually cited you she said you just have a look what they've done to Meryl Dory mm -hmm. and she said that's what's going to happen to you and I thought yeah they'll come but you know I've been fighting fights for years I'll be up for this I had no idea of the ferocity that a government department would allow themselves to be manipulated by by such interest as like the Friends of Science in Medicine, which is, as I said before, it's actually a medical terrorist organisation. They they were completely subservient to the uh, Friends of Science information. And, you know, my wife is not even in Australia now. She's currently overseas because for her not to give health advice and to be able to help people is like cutting off her arm. So she's she's over there and of course we have a daughter who lives in america and our son has been our grandson has been uh, married in about a week and so she's obviously wants to go there but this is the situation um this is war and um it's all very well for us to front up at anzac day and wave the little flag and say that you know we love freedom but if you're not prepared to defend the freedom for someone that's a, a minority section, you may not even agree with their position. You may actually think, well, I, I don't agree with them, but we should be willing to fight for the right of someone that we don't agree with to have that right of opinion, to own and express that opinion. That's and this is what is disappearing in Australia. We're losing the right to just have a free conscience and opinion and, and, and live our lives as we see fit. Exactly. Our government has become our dictator and we mm. never elected them to do that. And you're right about no. the HCCC. I, I found we've had our own battles with the HCCC, both myself and the AVN. That's the Healthcare Complaints yes. Commission in New South Wales for those who are watching. And we have the complete chronology of what happened on the AVN's website if you go to about... Um, on the AVN's okay. website. You can read all the information about that. Um, the HCCC is one of two bodies in Australia that is not subject to subpoena. So you can't subpoena any information from them. The Crime Commission and the HCCC are the only two bodies mm. in Australia that have that protection. So they are basically the enforcers for the pharmaceutical industry and for the um, people who uh, are doing anything that is against... Uh, mainstream medical practice. Uh, the Butcher of Bega is a fantastic example of how the HCCC does not do their job because for those who want to look this up, just look up the Butcher of Bega. Over 500 women were maimed and hurt by this doctor and um, they filed complaints and the HCCC refused to investigate them until they were embarrassed into doing it and he lost his license. But all it took was one complaint from an air traffic controller about the AVN and myself and uh, we were forced into years of, of trying to fight against this. And you have paid such a huge price. You and your wife, Barbara, have paid such a huge price for simply being um, ethical and standing by what you consider to be mm. right. And it just shows you that this government doesn't care yes. about right. They don't care about any of that. They just care about maintaining the status quo when it comes to medical procedures yep. um, regardless yes. of the cost to people yes. yeah so sure, sure. yeah it's sure. it's pretty i yeah. mean it must yeah, get, it's, it must it's get a very hard. disappointing situation mm -hmm. do you ever think of giving um up? well 
It does. <laughs> um, I'd be telling a few if it doesn't cross my mind, but it's ever so briefly, because I do believe that um, this is a fight has to be fought. And, and I, I've come this far. I'm not going to turn back. Um, it's, uh, there's too much at stake. You know, I have 23 grandchildren beside my, and we, so we have a lot of grand, we have a lot of skin in the game here. And the majority of those children, um, majority of our children do not want to, um, vaccinate their children. They're very healthy children. They're bright. They're, they've got no, they, they do well at school. They're, they're extremely helpful healthy they're witty they have a lot of fun in life they're going to go they're going to be successful just like our children were so um i i i think it's a fight worth fighting and i'm 64 years old i'm even classified as an at-risk group for this COVID. in fact i went to visit a friend of mine who's 65 and i rang him up and i said um listen mate i'm going to come over and visit you and he said oh, i'd prefer you stay away he said uh you know, at my age, he said, um, well, I'm an at-risk group. I said, what are you talking about? We went to school together, you silly old goat. We're the same age. And <laughs> I said, stop listening to the rubbish. I'm going to come over and see you, mate. And he said, no, no, Mick, I don't want you to come over. He said, I, and, and I thought, wow, really? I and, and this was a guy who I always considered to be, um, you know, a fun guy. When we were young, we'd have. He was a bit of a larrikin like myself. You know, we didn't care much about rules and regulations. We, um, you know, in in a small sort of way, we were larrikins. But this whole thing is sort of gripped the the, the propaganda because it needs to be said here, and we cannot ignore the elephant in the room, and it's the media. Yeah. The media is the driver of this, and I've said this a number times for instance the the reign of stalin in the ussr stalin controlled the media and if we look at hitler hitler controlled the media through through his propaganda minister but currently today what we have we see that reversed it's the media that's controlling the politicians we have weak politicians and good men and brave men don't usually end up in these you know in in these major parties because there's no place for individuality and, um, and, and, and to express a freedom or even to express the will of the people who voted you. So we, we are now controlled by this juggernaut, this media, which, ha which has ties back to um, pharmaceutical ownership and, and, if, and Channel, Channel 9 is absolutely like, it's just, it's just full on. Channel 9 is just full-on propaganda. You couldn't call it anything else. I've had a bit of a peep at it. I've personally decided to boycott Channel 9, but I do have a peep just to see what the enemy's up to, and I'm overwhelmed, and I think I could see how a person that doesn't have strong convictions and a person that's not actually looking at the facts, and if they're relying on this for their information, they would be terrified. This these television stations are guilty of scaring the people without... Um, and making people's lives a misery. They have to be called to account. I don't think we should let them off scot-free. And I would like to see, um, you know, there has to be something done about the media. When we get elected, we have to address the, the sorry state of current media. 
well gone are the days where they just reported on facts. They, something was happening here, something was happening there, someone died there, but now it's all commentary. It's all commentary and um, masquerading as news. And I, you know, you, if you want it, if you want it very left, you listen here. If you want the right, you listen to this particular station. You know, and, and, and I, I tell you, even the, they're all wrong. You know, there's there's not a properly balanced media in Australia that just report factual things that are happening in the world and in our local area, so that we can be aware. Yeah. And the media has a huge responsibility. First of all, the government would not be able to do this without the assistance of the media. And when I say the assistance of the media, I personally believe that the media is running this agenda and the government is, is just doing their orders. But, you know, in America, the media is called the fourth estate because yeah. it's basically a, 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 like a branch of government that has the same responsibility as government does. And their responsibility yes. is to report without fear or favor, without bias and with balance. Yep. And they have totally um, abrogated that responsibility. They have totally turned their back on what they are supposed to be doing. Yes. And they are yep. guilty of, you know, crimes against humanity as far as I'm concerned. Through I agree. Things. I agree with you, Meryl. I, I think so. The, the politicians... Uh, you know, people have said to me, oh, but how is the media controlling? They're and I said, no, no, the politicians are terrified because they know that Murdoch Press is the kingmaker of politics. The Daily Telegraph is the kingmaker in New South Wales of who is going to be elected. With they, whoever they give the nod to, and that'll be whoever's, you know, proverbially kissing their backside um, and doing what they're saying and implementing what they want to implement, they're going to get in. And they're going to slam the other side. They're going to promote uh, them in such a way. And most people uh, just believe it. Look, I, I understand why people believe it, because we're actually being conned. And a con man is not a nasty person. A con man is usually someone that smiles, tells you good things, and, and, and sucks up to you. And the average person gets conned because they think, th when someone tells them, oh, you know, I really like you and I'm doing this for your interest, they believe people on face value. And it's very hard for the average person to believe that the media, you know, who they watch and these, you know, the, the, these attractive girls and these nice men in their suits that sit in the news every night, they, they have a trust in them that they're telling them the truth when they're not. And it's very hard for the average person to actually get it into their head that they're not telling the truth. Um, we all, we like to believe the best of people. I like to, you know, if someone tells me something, I, I really want to believe them. I, it's, it's a hard deal to think that someone's lying to you. And, uh, but, you know, over life I've realised and I've been conned severely um, and I've been ripped off of thousands of dollars from con people over the years because I've had a high level of trust because it's not something I would do myself. I think I wouldn't lie to someone and take their money. I, I would, uh, and if they're telling me this, I, I believe it. So, you know, the average person's hearing this in their news and they're believing it because they have a level of trust in the media. And the government's not calling, there's no checks and balances from the government. The media is out of control. It's deciding the fate. So you can see we've got this whole incestuous a uh, system that we're working under and um, so people like myself like yourself 
like the other members of CADCO and other good people, uh, we're, we're rising up and all our members, we've got, I don't know if you know, the, the wonderful Alona Lan from um, Queensland. She's our Queensland leader. She's a great gal, you know, and she's a fearless advocate of truth. She'll stand up and say what's right and you can trust her because she does tell the truth. Um, we 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 actually just thinking, you know, why are we doing this? We're not politicians. I'm talking. My running mate in New, I have two running mates in New South Wales. It's Taylor Winterstein. She'll be running beside me with Morel Burnham Burnham, and Morel, you may know these, and some of your viewers, these are, are, are wonderful ladies. You know, really first class. None of us really thought. Well, we want to get into politics and be politicians. We, you know, Taylor would like to to um, look after her children and look after her husband and run her little business, which she does so well and, and pr pr promote wellness. But she's prepared to say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to step out of this because I believe that a great injustice is going to be, is being done. And, and if, if my voice and my actions can help uh, prevent this, I will do it. So we, that's where we are today. We're seeing this terrible inequity in our society. This terrible that we're, it's the big lie. Um, Dennis D'Souza wrote a, a whole book about it called "The Big Lie," and he says that when lies get so big that the common people can't can't equate that that, that they they trust the politicians be telling them a lie. Hitler was able to take a whole country and, and, and caused havoc, which caused millions of lives because his lies were so large and so big and the general population can't believe that someone with, at that position would lie. We're being lied to. We are absolutely being yeah. lied to. I'm glad you and, raised um, Hitler because... We're being lied by omission because a lot of the argument... Go ahead. Mm. We're being lied by omission because we're not getting more than just outright lie, they are they are hiding the truth. You know, um, if you if you look at a man like Robert Robert Kennedy Jr., um, he's a man. People say, "Oh, I heard Jane Hansen. Oh, he's he's in it for the money. Why would he be in for the money? He's one of the rich integrity. Why would he hitch his wagon onto the so-called scabby anti-vax movement?" Why would he do that? He's doing it because he's a man of high integrity and he is willing to forego his, his reputation amongst his peers. He is willing to be slandered. It's certainly not for the money because money is one thing that the Kennedy clan are not short of. And um, we need to take notice of people like this. Yeah, you're absolutely right about um, Robert Kennedy Jr. Now, people like that, they have everything to lose by talking about this issue. And like you, you had everything to lose. And are you able to hear me? Mm. Okay. So I can hear you very well. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. That's great. So, yeah, they have everything to lose from doing what they are doing. And it's the people who have are in that position, yeah. who have something to lose, who are the ones that we have to listen to. People are so... Not just trusting, but um, what's the word? They are so, uh, you know, naive at what they are looking at and they take yeah. everything at face value. And I think that we have to become more discerning and realize that there are people out there who have a lot to gain mm -hmm. 
and always, always, always follow the money. We have a government and a media and a medical community mm -hmm. that have yes. breached the social contract. We have a contract with these people that they will not do anything to harm us and we will not do anything to stand in their way. Mm -hmm. They've breached that social contract yes. and we need to take action. Yes. Now, I mean, politically, it's very important that people take action by voting consciously, and this is something we've talked about a lot. But there are also legal cases in the courts right now, um, in the Supreme yes, Court in New South correct. Wales, and I think there are going to be cases in the High Court. I think Clive Palmer has a case in the High Court uh, that he's suing Greg Hunt, I'm pretty sure. Um, do you think there is any, any benefit in these cases? Is there a way that courts can actually help to remedy these situations? I think the court cases are wonderful because, um, you know, they are violating laws in Australia. And let's hope that the courts are, aren't utterly corrupted, that they would deliver clear verdicts on law, okay? I, I'd like to be hopeful, I'd like to be optimistic, and I 100% support these guys mounting these cases and the people that are supporting them. And I know of and uh, have spoken to a number of these lawyers and these, they're good guys. They're, they're, they're good women. They're, they're, they're just um, they're the people that are, are willing to jeopardise their entire career. You've seen what's happened to Serene. I mean, it's, it's, it's appalling what's happened to her, you know, to, to lose her licence. Um, so these are valuable members of society. History will vindicate them. They, they will be seen in, in, in the passage of time in the same way that other, you know, freedom fighters have been in other countries, back in your home country, those that fought for, stood up for right in the South of America, are now uh, elevated. Unfortunately, many of them are deceased, but in their, even in, after their death, they're, you know, they've been elevated. But I'm hoping that we get some good outcomes. There are wins, as you know, in, uh, in other countries. Yes. Does it stop them? Does it stop the political class? Well, it it doesn't always seem so. You know, you, you see these wins and they just carry on. It's um, it, it's a uh, you know what possesses these people? Are they just are they so devoid of humanity? Are they are they so devoid of conscience? You know, I I often look at um, a press release, you know, with Gladys there and Kerry Chance standing behind her and. Uh, the, the health hazard behind him and then maybe Mick Fuller, the police minister. And I think these have all been a little room together in some cosy room. And I know how boards work. I've been on many boards and often, you know, there's this talk, you have a few strong personalities and then they'll come up with a, um, a some idea that is really disconnected from how to implement it in the outside world. And so they're coming up with these ideas. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure that Kerry Chant had a little bit of a breakdown just recently. She seems to have recovered. And Hazard, he was having his own bombastic meltdown. And Mick Fuller, the, the police chief, you know, he's just, um, you know, heaven help our police force if you've got him in, him in charge. He, he seemed almost incoherent sometimes when I was watching him. So will the court cases change anything? I hope so. I hope that it, that it pegs them back. And I hope there are wins because um, there should be wins. 
you know, they haven't mounted a court case that doesn't have significant lawful directions and behind them. They've done it because the current directions are in violation of law. Yep. So now it's going to rest with the courts. Are, we, are the courts going to be uh, politicised or are they going to stand for, you know, they're going to have the, the, they have the scales with the blindfold on and do proper justice? It remains to be said. We pray for that to happen. And, I pray for that. And I think you're right. I wasn't aware about Carrie Chance having a, a mini breakdown, but the last time I saw her on television, when she was listening to a journalist ask her a question, uh, the look, the expression on her face, I thought to myself, there's something not quite human there. It's yeah. just, it is yeah. just, it is. I, what, and I think that what happens is when people are told over and over again as part of their job that they have to support something that mm -hmm. is illegal, unethical, and immoral, even people who don't necessarily have their basing in morality are going to be affected somehow. It has to yes, affect yes. them. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing. These people are not quite human anymore. They are less yeah. than human. Yes. And yeah. They've actually got themselves into a position that it's very hard for them to back out with grace because even now to back out, they would be aware, um, of, for instance, if Gladys decided, you know what, this is not working, I think we really, because she's a person that actually has the, the economy at heart. She's actually done a, a quite a good job of the New South Wales economy. You know, you have to give her that. But then she's gone on this destructive warpath against the economy of New South Wales. So I, I, I would like to think that sometimes in her bed, you know, I think of that song, where do you go, my lovely, when you're alone in your bed? What are the thoughts that surround you? I'd like to get inside your head. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's um, I hope that you would think of this, and I, but I think... How does she back out of it now? I, I can understand her the, the dilemma because the media will come after you. You know, they, they, they're, they're relentless too because they don't care. They don't care. That's another story. You know, trash her. That's it. Whew, we're in a, a sorry state. I'm not a political animal in any way, but from the very beginning, my question has been, what is their exit strategy? If you have this policy, yes. if you have this plan that we are going to go from point A to point B to point C to point D, and then at point E, we're going to be out of this situation, you have to have point E in mind when you're at point A. And I think that they have just mm. been going along, making it up as they are working with it, and they have no yeah. exit strategy. So how in the world are we ever going yes. to get out of this? We have to change everything that we're doing. I know. Yeah. Well, they've, they've given over the, it's all about, we're following the best health advice. So we follow the advice of the chief health officer. Who, who are they? They're public servants, very cautious people by nature. You know, um, they've, prob they've done well in their exams. They've grappled their way up through the public service, but they are, they're timid. They've got no place to be running the country. They never voted. And quite frankly, um, you know, our, our, we didn't vote our politicians to be our doctor and our mother. We voted them to show bravery, you know, to stand up and say, you know what, this is not so bad. You know, calm down, everybody. Let's get, let's look after our vulnerable. We're going to, um, uh, if they want to, you know, 
I consider myself an elderly person. Do I even want to be mollycoddled and and, uh, and protected? You know, there is a certain amount of dignity in dying the way you want to die. Um, there's nothing undignified about getting the flu uh, or a flu-like sickness and dying. I think there's far more indignity and prolonging, prolonging, being medicated and then just sitting in, in a home dribbling and having some girl come and tell me if, if I'm just projecting for myself, come on, Mr. O'Neill, it's time to come to the toilet, come to eat, eat. I thought, I think that's the great indignity. So is that what we're, we're, we're what we've come to? Um, we seem to have a, a fear of death. We've lost our spiritual connection to life. Um, we're, we're, we're not just physical robotic humans you know we have spirit uh we have and uh, to deprive the elderly of their loved ones we've i was talking to my sister the other day and we said we're so glad that our father has now passed oh, we don't know how he would survive living in this era because he loved us my sister doted on him both my sisters doted on him uh, so much they always visit him and but to be have to be told no no you can't see him for his own good he's going to be locked away he would go mad mm. he, it would be it would be a horrible experience so we're not being kind to old people at all that's a that's a pretense we are being ruthless to them we are being heartless to them and all to maintain some facade of caring and in what many cases, we're ending, we're ending their existence early through our mistreatment of them. Of course and, they are. And in the worst, yes, yes. most uncaring way. I mean, I'm, I'm 63, so of I'm course. only one year off of you. And my husband and I have already spoken okay. about what would happen if we ever reach a situation where we have to go into a home. And it is the we want to stay as far away from that as possible because that we know from what's happening Absolutely. now. You lose total control over your own life. Your family loses control over their contact with you. And nobody yes. wants to be like that. That has nothing to do with health, nothing to do with no. caring. You, they shouldn't call them care homes. They should call them careless homes, you know, because no. they, they can care less about what happens to the people in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. not the future yeah. that yeah. we want. Yeah. It's, no, it's... It, it's a rather ignominious end. I spoke to a dear old friend of mine. She was um, in her 90s and in an aged care home and her daughter had put her in there and I didn't feel that she... But I used to visit her regularly and she sat there one day and she said, if I knew I'd end up in this place, I would never have worked so hard because she owned a beautiful home and she was just... She lost it and was put into this home. And uh, I, I... I actually felt a little bit emotional because I was very upset when she told me that. But I had no control. I was a, she was a dear friend of mine, but her daughter of got to end up here. I wouldn't have worked so hard. She said, I thought it would be better at the end. Now, we're not being kind to our old people. And Meryl, as you've just said, we are, we're sort of tipping in that direction ourselves. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I certainly don't want to be treated the way people are being treated. There, there's a, you know, do I, you know, if a person wants to be vaccinated, if they would choose to live in, in that sort of cloistered environment, if they'd like to lock themselves in their house and have someone um, wear a mask and drop food at their front door and then scurry off, well, so be it. They can live like that.
But if someone wants to have the freedom to be able to go out, to walk in the park, to visit their family, to bounce their grandchildren or great-grandchildren on their knee, well, that is healing. That is, And if they do get a sickness, if they do get the COVID flu or whatever you want to call it, and they pass, almost have a, a fear of death now as if it's something that we can avoid at all costs, which we cannot. No. We, That's we, the one, we, one we, thing we just in can't life that's guaranteed. We are, we, <laughs> you will die at some point. Yes. You know, we absolutely. And uh, I, I find it quite distressing, and I find it very distressing that churches have embraced this, um, this mantra as well because they have shown a decided lack of compassion, which I suspect is... Uh, as, as a consequence is because they own, um, they get so much funding through their aged care facilities, through their schools and through their hospitals and, uh, and really they've, they've, sold, they've sold their souls, you know, to be quite blunt about it. Not all. I know there's some, um, there's Have been the Ezekiel Declaration put out and I've talked to uh, other great people like, um, Yes, sorry. I was going to ask if you had seen the yeah. Ezekiel Declaration. Um, that have put yeah. their, you know, yes, I have, and I think it's a wonderful initiative. And uh, I've talked to, uh, become friends with Father Dave, who's an Anglican priest, who's been a past boxer, he's a, he's a brave man, and he, you know, I take courage from him, but generally, as a whole, they've capitulated, mm -hmm. uh, particularly at a leadership level of the churches. Very, very disappointing. Um, for Christian churches, they are not in step with Jesus. Mm. For um, for the others, whether they're Buddhist or, or Muslim, they are not in step with their roots either. Um, Absolutely. Very, very, um, you know, we, we, we've actually be, we've embraced the nanny state philosophy so effectively that we've now made safety as a god. Now, while everybody likes to be safe, we've legislated and it becomes paramount. It has to be almost worshipped. But it it's swung way to the other way. And then, of course, we have Medicare. We've trusted in Medicare. We've trusted in the medical system. We've lost connection with with our body. We've lost connection with practical common self-health, how to look after ourselves. And I, I do think that sometimes, you know, that um, generally a lot of Australians engage in a lot of destructive health behaviour, drink way too much, eat absolutely disgusting food, um, and, um, you know, and we, we just, when something happens, we go to the doctor, there's no cause and effect. We're not actually connecting that, well, actually what I'm doing is a consequence. We just go there, we're not, we're looking for the, the operation, well, actually, mainstream medicine has um, only three lines of attack. They, they medicate, radiate, and um, operate. And so any solution that you go, if you're expecting a solution that they're going to tell you, oh, you know, to clean up your diet, get an uh, exercise program, that they, a doctor who would give any of that advice would be stepping out of his safe paradigm. So they, there they have three lines of attack. They can medicate you, they can radiate you, and they can operate on you. Uh, so, if you're expecting anything different, then you you you're expecting something that they're not actually 
trained mm-hmm. to give. That's it. <laughs> Not give. That, they don't understand health. They understand medication and, and of course, you know, radiation and, and cutting. That's right. But um, a burn, cut, and poison, I think, is what um, what one other person in the United States called it. It's funny because sure. I've been having a fight on Twitter with someone about this very issue because they think it's horrible that I haven't seen a medical doctor in nearly 30 years. And they mm. said, well, how do you know that you're healthy if you're not going to see the doctor <laughs> and getting that checkup? And I'm like, a doctor can't tell me if I'm actually sick, if I have no idea whether my own body is healthy or not. I have no no place in actually living. And that you're right. We have lost touch with the fact that that is something that is in yes. our power to determine if we're healthy or not. And we go to the doctor That's or we correct. go to the naturopath or we go to the chiropractor if we feel that we need to. And this annual yes. well checkup is one of the reasons I think people are so overtreated and so sick and mm. so um, ill throughout society. Michael, um, yes. I... I we're going to be starting to run out of time very soon, but okay, I'm sure. very happy. It's been to lovely see. to chat. <laughs> I know it's been great. It always is. I've been really happy to see that you are in this um, a co-op with the other parties, and I hope that more parties will join with you. But yeah. in the meantime, for the people who are watching this now, is there anything that people can do to help IMOP? I know that there's a new requirement for 1,500 members, and that's, that's making correct. life very difficult. So what can the people who are watching this do to help IMOP and the other parties in this okay. um, co-op? I, I appreciate that question. It's a very good question. We are going to have to increase our membership by three times to 1,500. It, it, it won't be long. We'll be getting a letter from the AEC to tell us to do that. We need members. We do have a lot of members, but we need up-to-date members. Now, I do know, and I'm not taking any away from this, that the United Australia Party's been calling on membership and they got 40,000 members. But the reality is they don't need members because they have Craig Kelly now as their member. They have what you call a parliamentary party and they they only have to have one member and that's Craig Kelly. And um, uh, Clive knew that. And, and so it was a very smart move of his. So, but us small minor parties, we need a membership. And if we do not get the membership, we can't survive. So we would love you to sign up as a member to IMOP. And, and to maintain that membership and to go so we can go through the audit process with our 1,500 members. Yes, sorry, Meryl. Uh, no, I was going to ask, because I wasn't aware of that myself, that does membership expire? Do you need to do it every year? Um, well, it depends on your constitution. Our constitution says that a membership will um, will go for four years. Oh. So, uh, uh, so it, it'll depend on how you set yourself up. You could you could probably set it up for life. But at, at some point, once we put the names in, the AEC will probably check. They'll send you an email, or they will give you a phone call and say, "Are you a member of IMOP?" And right. And are you, is that the main party and you, and if you say yes, they tick it off. So they're going to check it. They're going to check to make sure, one, you're on the electoral roll and two, whether you affirm that you are a part of that party. And, and we, um, we, so that's a, that could be a help to us if people do sign up. And, uh, and I think the Great Australia Party, but I believe that your audience here at the AVN would be, we would be the natural party for the, the majority of your uh, 
your supporters because uh, we we are we're not just fighting the COVID vaccine. We've been in this for years. We we realise the the um, the great injustice in the no jab no pay and the lack of accountability that exists in the whole vaccine rollout. There, and, and we want to see that restored. We want, we want the whole thing to be investigated, at least a, 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 a royal commission yeah. into the, the vaccine industry mm, from top to bottom. So needed, not just for COVID, yeah. for everything. Uh, there's yes. such corruption. Atagi is, is completely corrupted. Uh, Michael, yes. how can someone check to see if their membership is current with IMOP? And I'm asking for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you... You can um, you can send us just a, a little a question th through our um, website, yep. or you could if you if you're unsure you could send another application through. And uh, now let me say something else. I did I did say that your membership holds for four years, but each year there is an annual fee for a full member of twenty five dollars, and right. we tried to make it a, a reasonable amount. And for those that are in hardship, financial hardship, they can have what we call an associate membership, which is still a membership, but that's free. Yep. Um, and uh, so and we, sure we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to it. I'm sure that you need the financial support. It's not cheap running in elections. So, yeah. Yes. And I know people are well, donating it, also, which is which is very much needed. So It, it, it is. And, and we're... We are a completely volunteer organisation. I travel all over, wherever I go, whether I stay in hotels, fly, I never charge a single cent back to the party. I cover everything myself and pretty much everybody in the party. So what we do, we use our funds for only promotion around election time or to pay maybe some simple little things. And generally, some of the party members will pay that anyway. Maybe our website has to be have a monthly fee um, and just simple things or if we've got to engage the services of a graphic designer yes but we have a we have a wonderful team very passionate um I, i'm i just take my hat off to them they work enormously long hours all for nothing because that because it's not a job it's just we they are passionate about the freedom and um you know representing people's view you know Yep, and I have to say personally, I've been blown away by the recent press releases that IMOP's been put out. They are so well referenced, so well researched. Yes. They're they're like documents of, of science in and of themselves. Have you been yes. getting much of a good response to that? Has the media been picking them up at all? No, the media hasn't. We've sent them when we release it, we send it to every parliamentarian. We do get um, a small amount of positive comments some negative of course there are some rude people out there and by the majority ignored but nevertheless we put them out there for the people we, we're here to, to to show people but we don't get criticized for them in the media because I would love to sit here and tell you the names of some of the people that are actually producing these but they they would um, they run they wouldn't they don't want me to but we've got good people qualified people that are putting these together and um, because, you know, they're, they're wanting to help, but they know the vindictiveness of the, um, the media and uh, they will come after them. So we keep them anonymous. But we have good people working on this. That's why they're so thorough and they can't really attack them on faults. I can tell that just from that. And I will definitely link 
to the um, to the press release section of your website, as well as other sections in the show notes from today's show. So um, thank you, Oh, absolutely, Michael. I just think that it's wonderful work. Um, I've seen you doing that work. I've seen many other people in the areas doing that work, but it needs to be it needs to be said that these are press releases that have to be read and shared by everyone uh, because they are so well referenced and so well researched. So uh, they're an education in and of themselves. So Michael, yes. before we finish up, is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to raise? Um, well, uh, just like to say that we're very passionate. Um, we're very passionate about freedom of choice full transparency you know we um uh we a good parent just sees something that's happened to their child they take steps to remedy it they they want to share it with their friends that they've had a, a bad experience with their with their inoculation and for that that parent now has become an enemy of state and someone that's worthy to be vilified in the press and by government policy and we feel that is absolutely wrong that's wrong on every level for a democratic country to be behaving in such bullying and subversive behaviour, and we're going to fight against it. We want to set these people free. We want to give people back their natural right of every other citizen because it has been taken off, off them, and for no other reason than because the government is now not following the will of the people but following the will of the pharmaceutical companies and have foisted on us a policy which is destructive to free choice and full democracy. It's a crime against Australia and it's got to stop. So the Informed Medical Options Party, we feel an honour and a privilege and a duty to, uh, to um, pursue this and set our people free. And I think everyone watching this can definitely um, resonate with those sentiments. Michael, as always, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for coming onto the show and sharing those views. And best of luck with CATCO and best of luck with the yes. next elections. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Meryl. No thank you. And thank you to all your listeners, too. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. Thanks so much. Good night. Good night.